Yeah, my purpose in life, I really think, is to bring people together and put aside our differences and, and bring folks together. And that's something that even outside of barbecue I'm good at is, you know, bringing folks together and overcoming our differences. And I think that's my purpose in life, whether it's barbecue or not. Welcome to the Purposeful Story Podcast, where we interview entrepreneurs, drivers, and social impactors who use purpose as the driver to achieve greatness. My name is Kobi Mponsa, and I'm here to provide you with priceless value that will last a lifetime. So let's get right into it. All right. So today we have Michael De Los Santos, a.k.a. Mike D., owner of Mike D's Barbecue, an award-winning line of signature barbecue sauces and all-purpose dry rubs. Mike was featured on the Discovery Channel show called I Quit. Um, and what I noticed about Mike is he takes his own time and effort to make sure the quality of his product stands strong. Right. And, you know, I can just, you know, you go on YouTube and you type in um, Mike D's barbecue and there's like tons of reviews just raving about his barbecue sauce. Um, and, you know, Mike, he's literally won like 10 plus awards for his barbecue sauce. And I think he's won an award every single year since 2016, um, except for this year. But I think that's because of because of COVID. Right. No one has been really able to barbecue and no one has, you know, been able to put on an award show, really. So, um you know, I think you would have won an award this year because you're on a tear, man. Uh, but Mike, thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. No worries. So, Mike, how are you feeling right now in this instance? You know, I'm, f- I'm feeling good right now. I mean, I know there's a lot of things going on in this world and even in America right now. But, I, you know, I feel, I feel good personally. Like, things have been going well with me, with my business, with my family. Um, and so I, I feel good despite all the, the noise that's going on around us. Glad to hear. So, Mike, where are you born and raised? So, I was born in California, actually, on a military base, uh, Fort Ord, which is not even existing anymore, in uh, San Bernardino, California. And I've kind of lived all over the place. My dad was in the military, so I was in California until I was two. Then we lived in Germany uh, until I was, like, five. Then it was up in the Washington, D.C. area for a while, and then down to Richmond, Virginia, where I spent probably the bulk of growing up from 10 until about, you know, 20. I was in Richmond, Virginia, so that's where I spent the bulk of my time, and then I've been living, you know, in North Carolina since 2007. Jeez. So, do you remember what it was like living in Germany, actually? I remember very little about Germany. Uh, you know, we lived in an apartment building like right across from a military base. Um, and so I don't remember, you know, a lot of details. I do remember a couple of stories of some crazy things I did, like running away from my preschool and somehow taking public transportation all the way to a toy store. Wow. Like downtown Nuremberg and trying to buy a toy airplane. Uh, so I remember like some stuff like that. Um, you know, I got electrocuted when I was in Germany. So, some, you know, I remember some of the crazy things from Germany, but not, 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 not everything. Wow, like were you you were relentless. You 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 took a bus <laughs> to get your toys. You you did whatever it took. Hey, eh? how did you like what was going through your mind at that age? Were you just like I just need to find a way to get it? Like how did that 
Well, you know, that's I was, interesting. I was I was like four at the time, and mm. you know the way I don't remember, remember my thought process. I just know I wanted to go, uh, and I, I remember like the way to get there was really just you had to just blend in, right? So just find a family at the bus stop and stand close enough <laughs> to them where people didn't think that you were like missing. Like they would think you're part of that family. So you just stick close to people and get to get where you're trying to go. When they cross the street, you cross the street. And uh, what was interesting is when I, the reason I got caught was at the toy store. I didn't actually have any money. And so I had a piece of paper in my pocket. They had a Bible verse on it from the church. And I tried to hand that over to pay for my airplane. Uh, and that's when I figured out that I was not with anybody. And, uh, they needed to, to hold me at the police station until my parents could be contacted. Uh, and so, yeah, I just, you know, just wanted to get where I wanted to get. Got to figure out a way to get there. Jeez. And then I don't want to skip over that, uh, that electrocution. Like, what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was in my room uh, in our apartment, and I was mm-hmm. playing. Uh, and I was uh, climbing. There was a lamppost in my room that had no light bulb in it for some reason. And I was like climbing that and I stuck my hand in the top where the light bulb goes and electricity was like going through my body. Usually when it goes like in your hand, it'll go out your feet. Mm. But for me, it like went in my hand, it went like in, traveled through my body and it came back out through my hand. So it was going back in. So I was stuck. So my mom came in to try to, you know, she heard me yelling. So she came in and it was trying to like pull me off. But then she realized she could just unplug it and it would stop. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, I was I was a mischievous kid for sure. Hey, I'm thankful you're you're here, man. I'm thankful you're here. <laughs> so, Mike, how old were you when? Well, even before we get to that, um, how was it growing up with um, your, your dad? Right, because he's in the military. Was that, you know, how was that experience for you? No, it was, it was an interesting experience. I think some of that stuff sort of helped me as I got older in business. But you know, and it was, it was challenging because you're moving around all the time, right? So you didn't really have time to build, you know, deep relationships with people because you didn't know how long you were going to be around. So you moved a lot. So you're always having to start over again and resell yourself to new people as to why they should be friends with you. Uh, and so there was some of those challenges. And then, you know, just times like when I was, you know, you know, seven, eight years old, when my dad was off at war, you know, things like, teaching myself how to ride a bike, like doing some of those things that people usually think about they do with their, uh, their dad or another parent. Um, like I was doing those things myself, uh, you know, riding my bike down the hill and either I crash into the tree or I pedal. Right. And that's kind of how I taught myself how to ride a bike. And so, you know, those kind of things are what it was like, but it's really just, you know, just the constant moving kind of gets old after a while. And I was having to make new sets of friends uh, that kind of wore on me for, for a bit. Hmm. Hmm. And when you were, when you were a child, was there anyone that, um, you know, when your, when your father wasn't around and he was in the war, was there anyone that, um, you kind of looked to or anyone that, um, you know, kind of provided you that, that guidance when your father wasn't around? Yeah. You know, my mom, my mom was a great person. I became, you know, really close to my mom. Probably as I was growing up, people thought I was a mama's boy. Not just because me and my mom got got close. Like I would, you know, my mom was a very early morning person. She would get up, you know, five o'clock in the morning, you know, four o'clock in the morning most days, but, uh, and then, you know, go grocery shopping at five o'clock in the morning. And that's when, 
you know, I started to build, you know, a close relationship with my mom. Like I'd get up on a Saturday morning at 5 a.m. just so I can go grocery shopping with her. Uh, and that's kind of stuck with me over the years as I'm now a morning person. I'm up at 5 o'clock every morning. When Jeez. I do the grocery shopping, I like to do my grocery shopping very early in the morning too. Like those kind of things just kind of stick with you. And so, you know, my mom was a hard worker. She ran her own business at that time. Um, she had her own daycare uh, that she ran uh, out of our house. And so I just... She was always putting in the work, even when he was, you know, off at war or off doing something else. Uh, you know, she was always putting in that work to make sure that, you know, she could help provide for the family. And so that kind of uh, was a was a model for me to follow as I got older. Nice. So how old were you when you first started cooking on the grill and who taught you to cook on the grill? Uh, so I'm self-taught on the grill. and I can still remember my, I was... It wasn't until I was in my 20s that I really started to fire up the grills and the smokers a lot. Uh, I remember back when I was, you know, in my early 20s, a friend, friend of mine and I decided we were going to throw a cookout one day at his apartment. And uh, I couldn't quite figure out how to light the charcoal. And so it turned into a disaster. We just ended up taking the food in the house and cooking it. But uh, I kind of just, you know, in my sort of mid-20s, I started to buy grills and smokers and just started doing a dive into YouTube and, and books about how to do it properly. And it's really just, you know, trial by fire, right? You go out there and see what you can do. It's going to not be good the first few times you do it. You've got to keep doing it and keep pressing it because it's what you want to do, which you want to get better at. And so uh, probably my mid-20s, I really started to dive in and take it seriously and try to get better at it. I see. And where did that interest come from to, to start grilling and just where did that interest come from? You, you were reading about books about grilling and where'd that come from? Yeah, well, I've always, even though I wasn't always grilling and stuff, I was always a big fan of barbecue, right? Mm. Like it's growing up in the South uh, in America, like barbecue is a big part of your culture, right? It, no matter if you're white, you're black, like barbecue is big time. Uh, and so I've always been a fan of barbecue. When I grew up in Richmond, there wasn't a lot of good barbecue places. But what really made me really love barbecue was a place called Ralph's Barbecue in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, where people from... When I was growing up in Richmond, people would drive, you know, once a month, a couple hours down 95 to go to Ralph's Barbecue to eat at the buffet and then to buy, you know, pints of barbecue to take back home. And that's when I really started to think about, like, you know, this barbecue thing is really serious. Like, people take this seriously and they love it. And if something that I always just started to grow an interest in from that point forward is, like, how can I do this? Um, you know, in high school, my first a uh, real job was working on a food truck back before food trucks were a thing where they were everywhere. Uh, and um, on that food truck, we made barbecue. And that's when I started to really uh, figure out that like I could do some good things in the kitchen, but it was, you know, not a full kitchen. It was a, you know, a little cart, but um, the guy who owned that cart would start to leave and let me just run it because people were like, Hey, he, he's putting out good stuff. Just let him be. Mm. And that's kind of, you know, wanted to get better and improve on that is why I started to dig into books and figure out like, how can I do this uh, in, a, in a way and get better at it? Got you. And when did, you know, with, with barbecuing, there's so many different areas to it, right? You have the sauces, you got the grills, you got the, you the tools that you're using to do the, the, the grilling um, and barbecuing. But why did you decide to tackle sauces? Um, you know, you're right. There's a lot that goes into barbecue. I think sauces is just, most people like barbecue sauce. And like, you know, you have some really people who are like diehard into barbecue who don't use sauce at all. And that's, that's fine. But the vast majority of people, 
like barbecue sauce. Like even if they're not like barbecuing a lot themselves, they like barbecue chicken. They like to dip stuff in barbecue sauce. And so I knew that that was uh, a space that, you know, maybe I could make my mark in, but I also knew that in the South, everybody's got a barbecue sauce on the market, right? It's a really flooded market here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was always just looking for the right balance of flavor that I wasn't finding anywhere else. And so uh, I just started to tweak and make my own. And when I would have big cookouts at my house, I would be testing the different sauces on people. Uh, and that's kind of just how I started to develop, you know, where, why sauce was going to be kind of a place where I can make my mark. Got you. So you kind of put your, your, you know, you, you kind of dug in, right? You dug in, experimented, because my, my next question was like, how did you separate yourself from all the other sauces, right? There's an endless amount of sauces out there. But like, what makes yours unique? Yeah, funny thing is, most times people ask me that when they say what makes yours unique, I say me, because I'm making mine and no, I'm, mm. I'm not making anybody else's. That's what's different. But the reality is, I you know, I just wanted to combine certain flavors that I wasn't missing. Like there, to me, um, you know, barbecue, if you look at it historically, you know, it's a space that has been on the, on the back end of it, really done and created a lot of the um, creativity and move behind it was done by black folks white folks are able to capitalize on that and make the product and sell it and get big. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the flavors that inspire barbecue are, are, are from soul food or from, from, from black chefs and black cooks and black pitmasters. Uh, but what I found that was missing is I thought there was not a balance of, there was no introduction of sort of Hispanic flavors into the barbecue world. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming from a, a mixed heritage where my dad is from the Dominican Republic, my mom is, is African-American you know, I've got two food influences in my culture. I have two different cultures of food that influence my flavor palette. And I wanted to try to find a way to incorporate, you know, Hispanic flavors into barbecue. And just make some unique twists that aren't, aren't out there. And so that's, was really the driving factor in uh, how I came up with my recipes for my sauce was trying to incorporate a new type of flavor into barbecue. Got you. And, you know, there's so many companies out there in the food industry that scale um, and then I find that they tend to lose the quality. Um, but for you, I know there's a lot of detail that goes into producing like a great tasting barbecue sauce. Um, how do you maintain the quality of your product and then still mass produce at the same time? Yeah. So I think, you know, production is really important and quality is important. And I know oftentimes businesses will start as, you know, small batch made. And then as they scale, they try to, they scale up their production. And the, the bigger you scale your production, you're always going to lose some level of quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just, you can't produce the same quality product at five, 10, 20 gallons at a time as you can, you know, at 150 gallons at a time. And so, for us, we've always just tried to stay, make sure that we're always going to be small batch made. Like no matter how big we get, no matter how much demand we get, we're, we always want to keep going where we're bringing our, our sauces are produced at 150 gallons at a time because I think that the quality and the flavor is going to stay at peak when they're produced in small batches. Got you. And to take us, walk us through, you know, a day-to-day, right? A day-to-day with, with Mike D's. Is it something that, because I see videos of you packing it yourself, um, but, you know, you mass produce it, you sell it on your store, you're doing e-commerce. I know you're working with Gwen on a, on a course right now. Um, but walk us through, you know, where you're at right now with your business and, and how it looks on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, so on a day-to-day basis, it can vary uh, a lot uh, for what we're doing because we're, 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 we're balancing a physical retail store and an e-commerce store all at the same time. Uh, and so, you know, oftentimes, you know, the store is open. Uh, six days a week 
you know, five days a week is open, you know, pretty extended hours from, you know, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, and so during that time, we're also packing orders. So often we get here, I get here usually around nine in the morning. Uh, I start getting everything prepped for packing orders that day, getting the packing peanuts, the bubble wrap, the boxes, getting everything laid out the way we need to go, make sure all the orders that we're going to be printing that day, their slips are printed and ready to go. Uh, and then um, 10 o'clock, we get the store open, and then we start packing orders at the same time. We can hear when somebody walks in the store, so we'll pause and go out there and deal with the customer. And then when there's no customers, we're in the back packing orders until uh, the post office comes to pick those boxes up. And that's kind of how our days go. And once we're done packing orders for the day, uh, you know, it's back to dealing with customers at the front of the store and then checking emails, dealing with your customers who are contacting you via email, trying to make sure you have good customer support. But it's just, there's always something happening when you're balancing a business that's got, you know, two big fronts to it. Got you. And I don't know, you know, your, your course, it's not, it hasn't been released yet, correct? No, it's, it's been released. You can find it on Shopify Compass. Nice, nice. So what, what do you talk about in your course specifically? Yeah, so the course is really talking about marketing and branding and how you can do that on a, on a small shoestring budget and how you can, even on a small budget, you can be trying to scale up how you do marketing and branding to get sales both in the short term and in the long term. Hmm. Hmm. Nice. And what was that process like for you? Because I feel like maybe you went out of your, maybe you might have went out of your element a bit, right? You're, you're developing like a course online, you know, how was that process like for you working with Gwen? Uh, the process working with Gwen was great. I mean, they make it real easy to work with. You know, they've got all these questions lined up and they do interviews and stuff with you to help to develop the, the, the course. I think the challenging part was actually the filming of it, right? That was the first time I'd ever used a teleprompter uh, trying to read and be filmed at the same time. So I think, you know, that was the challenging part was just getting through the filming of it. But it was a, you know, it was a, it was a great process. They made it really, made it really easy. The team was that I was working with, you know, Gwen and everybody at Shopify and even the film crew that came down was, was great to work with. But uh, it was definitely stepping out of my comfort zone for somebody who, like me, who doesn't like cameras all that much. I've had a lot of things happening in the last 12 months that have made me uh, get a lot more comfortable being around cameras all the time. Got you. Got you. And even, you know, Mike, I want to know, like, what's your why behind this, right? There's there's like we talked about, there's so many different things that you can do with, with barbecue sauce and just barbecuing in general. Um, but what's your why? What keeps you going every single day? Yeah, so there's really two, I have two whys for this, actually. You know, one why is to continue to honor the memory of my son. Um, you know, his passing is kind of the inspiration that helped me push to start the business. I had made a lot of excuses before about why I couldn't do it, why I shouldn't do it. Um, and, you know, his, his, his passing, his short six month of life, he taught me a lot of really important lessons. And, you know, so one of the whys is, you know, just continue to try to honor the memory of my son. Uh, and the other why is really, I do think that barbecue is a way that we can get, you know, bring people together. Um, there's something about, I say this a lot and sometimes people laugh or chuckle and don't believe me, but there's something about cooking meat or vegetables over an open fire uh, that just brings people together. Like they can put aside their political difference, their racial differences, and just enjoy good food and good, good, good fellowship. And I think that's something that, you know, brings me to barbecue. Like you can go in the deep South where there's a lot of racial tension and walk into a barbecue restaurant and you're going to have black folks and white folks in there enjoying some good barbecue and not really caring in that moment about all the other racial tensions that got going on. Uh, because like I said, people like barbecue just brings people together. Like, if more people threw barbecues 
And I think the world would be a better place. And so that's the second why. I just want to continue to bring people together, uh, good food, good fellowship, just I think barbecue is a way to do that. And that's my second why. If I can do the selling of my products and the making of my videos around barbecue, if I can just bring people together uh, and put aside their differences and just focus on something positive in that moment, I think we can uh, do a lot of good things in this world. And so that's the second why for why I do this. Powerful, man. Powerful. So what's next for, for Mike? Mike? Mike and Mike D's barbecue sauce. Uh, what's next? I mean, you know, we've got a couple things. We've got a couple more sauces that we want to get released in 2021. Uh, want to continue. Like, we've only had this retail store open for, we opened it in September, so it's still very new. So it's really still trying to, to grow and manage that during the pandemic. Uh, and then, you know, hopefully what I really want would like to do is we get all that stuff stable in 2021 to start working on getting a barbecue restaurant open. Uh, and so... Uh, that's probably what's 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 next for Mike D and Mike D's barbecue. Nice, nice. And even just the topic on barbecue, you know, I wanna I wanna really get good at barbecue, but I find like it's a culture, right? There's certain things that if you don't do properly, it's like disrespect almost. <laughs> you know what I mean? What are some of those things, you know, barbecuing that's like a pet peeve or something that someone who's barbecuing for the first time they should know? Like, hey, these are like the don'ts don't do's and these are the do's right so probably one of the big don'ts that people make when they're first starting out is like especially if you're using a smoke on your slow cooking at a lower temperature is like they want to constantly like open the lid of the smoker and check on the meat and that just slows the process that's a big no like uh there's a lot of people who say this uh but like if you're looking you ain't cooking and so like mm. the more you're opening that lid you're letting heat out and you're slowing the process down so it's gonna take a lot longer for it to cook and it may never get as tender as you want it to and so you just got to learn to keep that lid closed and trust the process uh, i think that's for, for people who are new to barbecue that's probably the biggest mistake that they make is um trying to check on their their, their meats too much uh, just, just let it go. Let trust the process. You know, if you're, if you're maintaining your temperatures right, you're getting, you're getting good smoke control. The meat will be fine. You don't have to keep looking at it because if you're looking at it, it's not, it's not doing anything. That doesn't help it. I think the second thing is, as barbecue has gotten more and more popular, uh, especially in pop culture, there's lots of TV shows around barbecue. Everybody tries to do what they see these celebrity chefs do on TV for barbecue. Uh, you have shows that follow people on the barbecue competition circuit. And they think that I have to have my ribs, my brisket look just like those guys do. And you don't. Like, they're in competition. Judges aren't like your everyday people. Right? What matters is does it taste good and the people who you're barbecuing for enjoy it. If people like it, that's all that matters. Like, if you can sit down and give your kid a rib or give your guest a rib, it doesn't matter if it falls off the bone or not. If they like the flavor of it and they want more, then it's a success. Like, just because it doesn't look pretty like a competition turning box or – you don't have injections to inject your brisket or your pork or anything like that. Like it's okay. Like that is competition barbecue. That's not everyday barbecue. Like, and so if you're not at a competition, you don't have to try to be this perfect pit master. I think that's the other thing for people to, to pay attention to is like, it's really about, does it taste good? And the people who are with you want more. And if that's the case, then it's a, it's a successful cook. Got you. This is a purpose round where entrepreneurs, creatives, and social impactors are asked a series of questions that highlight their true purpose. 
All right. Welcome to the purpose round where we ask the right questions that really bring out the purpose behind our entrepreneurs and their journey. So Mike, what is your purpose? You know, my purpose in life, I really think, is to bring people together and put aside our differences and, and bring folks together. And that's something that even outside of barbecue, I'm good at is, you know, bringing folks together and overcoming our differences. And I think that's my purpose in life, whether it's barbecue or not. And what's your morning routine like? <sighs> morning routine, I get up, you know, 5, 5.30 in the morning. Uh, I typically try to go for, get a couple mile walk in, either on my treadmill around the neighborhood, depending on the weather. Uh, take some time to catch up on the news and then take, take a little mo- couple moments to just breathe and just sort of, you know, give myself a pep talk for the day. You know, I'm a person who has struggled with self-esteem issues and depression issues over, over the years. And so one of the things that I'd like to do is to give myself a positive pep talk in the morning, looking in the mirror uh, to remind myself of the good things to help to stay out of that negative mentality. I like that. I do that every morning as well. If you could have a conversation with one person living or dead, who would it be and why? Oh, man. There are so – this is a question that I really don't like because I have so many. It's hard for me to pick one. I would probably have to say um, uh, Barack Obama. He's still alive, but it's somebody who – you know, there was a lot of pressure of being the first black president of the United States with all of our racial history and just – wanted to have a conversation with him about what that felt like, you know, what did it feel like to be in that, to, to have, to be in that position and what did it feel like for eight years to be the center of attention and have a lot of hate spewing at you and you still have to do your job and do it in a way that people can't say anything negative about you. And still they will, but like, what mm-hmm. did, what was that like? And so I think for me, just wanting to, he'd be a person that I want to have a sit down conversation with. Eight years is a long time too, you know, like that's, that's, to be under that pressure, I, I, yeah, that is true. Yeah, it's always funny with the presidents. You always can see the difference in their hair when they yes. serve two terms. Like, you know, he had that fresh, black, wavy <laughs> hair at the beginning. And by the end, you know, there was a lot of grays mixed in there for him. And uh, it seems to be like that with, with, with most presidents who serve two terms. Like, you can really see that pressure build up in them over those eight years. Stress is one of those things that, we still don't fully understand, but it affects everything we do in our lives for sure. Yeah. If you only had a hundred dollars to build your own business, how would you leverage that? Who? Um, I would put as much of that hundred dollars as I could into product development, right? Because if you don't, it depends on like if I'm gonna do a product business. So I guess it'd be twofold. If I'm gonna do a product business, I'd be wanting to focus on making sure that that hundred dollars is best leveraged and making sure I have a good quality product because. If I don't have a good quality product, it's not going to sell, and that hundred dollars is not going to grow. Uh, if I'm doing a service-based business or something else, I might, you know, try to make sure that I've got, um, you know, some good branding, so people recognize who I am, and make sure that I've got a good, good plan in place and good structure in place for my services to be able to get out there and be done. So I, I think in those two scenarios, that's that's what I would focus on for that with that first hundred dollars to try to leverage it. Got you. And what would you say was your most impactful moment and what did you learn from it? Oh, so I've, again, I've had a lot of impactful moments in life. I think, um, you know, I think the, one of the big impacts in my life was my son and his short time here and just sort of watching him through that process and being with him through all those, those things and just sort of seeing how hard he fought as a as a baby from being born through six months old like how much he fought to just try to be around and he couldn't make excuses right like and i 
you sort of made me do a lot of self-reflection to myself. Right? I made a lot of excuses over the years about why I couldn't do certain things. And then here I was watching this little boy who could make excuses and was going through surgery after surgery after surgery, trying to live. And I was like, that was probably the most impactful thing that's ever happened to me, just sort of seeing what he did when he didn't have the ability to make excuses. I have the ability to do those same things, uh, but I make excuses a lot. And like, if he can, if he can just do that without even thinking about why don't I just give up, then you know, I should, I need to do the same thing in my life. I think that's the most impactful thing that's happened to me. Powerful stuff. And what's the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received, uh, again, is having somebody who's received a lot of good advice over the years. But recently when I was filming the I Quit show, Harley, uh, president of Shopify, who was my mentor uh, throughout the show, one of the things he said to me was, uh, it was funny, he came down to visit uh, and I had like a goal board written up there. He like scribbled through a lot of stuff on my board and it was like, you know, there's a lot of things on here that you can't control and you're focusing a lot of attention on things you can't control. Uh, instead, you need to focus on these things and these circle a couple of things. Like, these are the things you can control. Always focus on what you can control and the other things will work themselves out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's been proven true since then. Like, spend, don't spend so much energy trying to control things that I can't control. Focus on what I can control and go from there. Got you. I like that one. What's your top three most influential books? Who? Uh, top three influential books. Um, one would be, it's called The Price of Inequality. Uh, it was a book uh, by Joseph Stiglitz, who's an economist that kind of just talked about the impact when you have such wealth and wage inequality in a country, the impact that it can have on people. I think that's a really powerful book uh, to read. Um, there's another book called The Warmth of Other Sons that kind of talks about uh, the covered a period of time where there's a lot of transition from black folks going from the South to the North and it talks about like the great migration. It kind of talks about how each of us, uh, where we are now, we're a result of people coming from somewhere else and the kind of the impact that has on us, uh, and our, our culture. Uh, and, um, you know, another, another good book. I'm trying to think, I just read a couple books, try to which, which one that I want to choose. Uh, um, there's several, you know, um, Obama's book was a good one. There's a, a book called The New Jim Crow, which is a good one. Uh, there's, there's a lot of books. Uh, it's hard to pick one from this category, but there's a lot of books that talk about race relations and how we can do better at that that are really good. I think The New Jim Crow does a good job of getting at that. Got you. And tell us something that you think is true about business that most people don't agree with you on. That business isn't like, you know, in many ways, business is not as complicated as some people want to make it out to be. Like, if you have a good plan in place and you put a lot of thought into it, things can, can things can line up well. I mean, it doesn't always work out. Things can get challenging. You have to, and you have to pivot and do other things. But um, don't overcomplicate it and, and, and think things through too much. I think sometimes in business, we try to overcome, oh, this is business, got to be done differently. And so we, we make things way more complicated than they have to be instead of just focusing on our plan and keeping things simple. Got you. And is there any last piece of value you can leave with our listeners? Yeah, I think kind of to that very last question, I think, you know, having a good plan, whether you're starting a business, writing a book, or doing anything else in life, 
have a good plan and don't just have a plan circulating in your head, get it down on paper, like type it up or write it out, but have a good plan in place because having a good plan is a good foundation for success, right? If you don't have a good plan, you're setting yourself up, setting yourself up for failure. And so no matter what you're doing, have a good plan in place because it can help you through the hard times. It can help you through the good times, but having a plan in place is always important. Solid. And how can the Purposeful Story family stay connected with you? Yeah, so you can follow me on social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's all Mike D's Barbecue all together. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, it's all at Mike D's BBQ. Uh, same for Facebook. Uh, you can also visit our website, www.mikedsbarbecue.com, M-I-K-E-D-S-B-B-Q.com. And there's links there to all our social media, our YouTube, our, all our platforms that you can follow us on. Uh, and also, you know, get in touch with me that way. All right, Mike, appreciate you coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you, Purposeful Story family, for listening to the Purposeful Story podcast. And remember, live every day with purpose so all your actions are clear. Talk soon. This episode was brought to you by my senior editor, Podcast Doc. And the beats were created by DJ Nana. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. All it does is drive more listeners to the podcast as we continue to share more purposeful stories to your eardrums. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon.